Hello mamas, this is Daisy from The C-Spot and you're listening to The C-Spot Podcast. This podcast is a collection of stories told by women who have experienced a cesarean section, otherwise known as a C-section or a belly birth. The C-Spot is a safe space for us mommies to share our experiences. From one C-section mom to another, you are not alone. Let's begin this journey of healing together. Welcome to The C-Spot Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the C-Spot. This is Daisy, your host. As always, before every episode, I like to thank everyone who has been tuning in and listening, whether you are a C-section mama or you are a mama that has not had a C-section, or maybe you're not a mom at all and you're just trying to hear stories to help a loved one who has been through um, some of the things that I have been through or other moms um, that have been on the podcast have been through. So we have another mama with us today. Her name is Amy, and Amy had an emergency C-section at 32 weeks, so completely unexpected, and it it wasn't, her situation in particular is unique because it wasn't a situation where she got towards the end of her pregnancy and she was in labor, and then it led to a C-section. Hers was actually a a premature um, situation, so she is going to talk a little bit about her experience as far as during her pregnancy and what led to the C-section and what happened post-C-section as well. So hi, Amy. Hi, Daisy. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And Amy and Amy and I, we were actually, she was my coworker as well. So we've known each other for uh, several years. So it's nice to talk about, talk with you about this, especially because I remember when this happened, I remember texting you and being like, you know, is everything okay? And then you told me what happened and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what is that? And that was actually the first time that I heard about help syndrome which is what led to your C-section. I had never heard about it until your experience. So I, and we never really talked in detail about it because so much was going on. So I'm ready when you're ready to dive in and, and chat about that experience. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I guess looking forward to talking about it is, is, is a weird thing to say, but um, I do think it's, it's an important thing to talk about, especially because, you know, I was aware of preeclampsia and things like that during my pregnancy, but um, I think that it's something that's not talked about enough. And especially, um, you know, I have been thinking a lot about Tori Bowie and her family. Um, my heart just goes out to her family because, you know, it's been coming out more that, you know, this was an Olympic, an Olympic runner who was found dead in her house, her apartment. Um, who was eight months pregnant, and they suspect that she had preeclampsia and possibly help syndrome. And so it's like so important to talk about um, this because it's, you know, it's something that I think people aren't aware of. And I wasn't really aware of how sick I was. So um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about that, what I was experiencing, because I'm just, I honestly think I'm just lucky that I happened to go to the hospital when I did. I think so too. I mean, I actually recorded, I think it was last week with another mama who also was diagnosed with help, but she went in and she had no symptoms at all. They just happened to take her blood pressure and they saw that it was alarming, but I was like, you didn't have any symptoms, any signs. And she was like, no. 
absolutely nothing. She said, I actually had been feeling better at that point in my pregnancy, which was I think 30, 38 weeks. She was like, I had been feeling better at that point than I had through the whole pregnancy. So then to feel like that and then get that diagnosis and she was like, things were moving, moving. It's it's hard. And also with Tori Bowie, I've been thinking about her a lot too. Um, Ron, my husband and I have been talking about it because I'm like, you know, what, what led to that? You know, was she alone? Like, like nobody clearly was there, but what happened and what led to it? And then when they said it was eclampsia, I'm like, that's, that's how dangerous it could be. And clearly (laughs) fatal for, for some people too. Yeah. Yeah. So for me with my pregnancy to like backtrack from the end of it, um, I, I got pregnant in September of 2020, September 8th of 2020. I know because I also am an IVF mom. So um, as I was going through my pregnancy, a lot of times, you know, as the baby, you know, like baby measurements fluctuate as they grow a little bit here and there. I'm like, no, no, I'm this many weeks pregnant because I got pregnant on September 8th. Yep. You (laughs) know that for a fact, you know, that to be true, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the nurses would look at me like, okay. okay. yeah, so I um, I did IVF. Um, I did. I got pregnant with my daughter on my first round of IVF, but I'd also had three IUIs um, because I um, am in a same-sex couple. So there wasn't necessarily a fertility issue for me, but more so just lack of. Um, I say lack of free sperm was my fertility issue. (laughs) And um, so my wife and I decided that I would carry our kids. And um, so Jackie, uh, my daughter is is came from my egg and and donor sperm and we did IVF too um, for me to get pregnant with her so um, I was pregnant during sort of I guess the tail end of the quarantine part of the pandemic which um, so I was definitely not as active as I usually was but I had a pretty um, normal pregnancy everything was progressing as it should be Um, I was teaching virtually from home. And so I always question because I'm an active person, you know, did the fact that I was, you know, at most I took a walk a couple of times a week, you know, did that play a role in in what happened towards the end of my pregnancy, but who knows? And, you know, I can only speculate. Um, Yeah. So we were coming up on spring break and I was 31, 32 weeks. And I had actually noticed around 30 weeks and at my 30 week appointment, um, they were telling me, they were like, you know, your blood pressure is 120 over 80. I was like, that's high. And they were saying, you know, like, no, it's, you know, you're no, it's within normal range. I was like, yeah, but for me, that's, that's high. So is your blood pressure historically low? Because I had that too. Like my blood pressure is always like 106 over something like it's on the low end so 120 Mm -hmm. for me would also be high yeah and so and I wasn't like alarmed because I know blood pressure goes up during pregnancy due to you know increased fluids in the body and all of that so it was fine but that I I know that that moment that in time was sort of the beginning of when I was starting to be sick because I look back at pictures and I can see that I'm starting to retain fluids and um I also had been out to dinner with a friend and my wife. Um, and I remember that night I got a really intense, um, really intense vertigo and really intense dizzy spell and kind of confusion. Um, but it went away the next day. And I'm questioning if I ha- was having like a blood pressure spike because those are similar symptoms I was having when I ended up going to the hospital. Okay. okay. Um, and so that was like one of my symptoms then as we were coming up on um 
Easter weekend, because that's when my daughter was born, I had been monitoring not monitoring my blood pressure at home. And I think I think my OB thought that I was being a little um, extra about it because I was, you know, emailing her and being like, I'm going to monitor my blood pressure. What's this threshold that you want me to keep an eye out for um, if, you know, I was going to come in and get checked out or be concerned or whatever. And, you know, she was just, there's no reason for her to be concerned when my blood pressure is 120 over 80. <laughs> so, and that was, you know, what she had. And, but I was starting to measure at home more like 130, 140. And um, she had said, if it goes over one, I think she said 135 or 140. It's mm-hmm. been a couple years now, and I don't really remember the exact number. But she gave me a threshold, and she said you can come in and get checked out if it goes over this number. Um, so, and I don't think she really expected me to actually show up. But um, we were going into the spring break long weekend for school for Easter, and um, it was Friday. It was the first day of spring break, and. I was going to do our grocery shopping for the weekend because we were hosting Easter and I um, was at the store and I was so confused and out of it. And I couldn't, I couldn't find things. And um, I'm a teacher. So I'm going to, I'm a very efficient list maker and grocery shopper. Like yes. it gets done. Yeah. Um, and so that was actually alarming to me because I didn't really have pregnancy brain or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I just remember standing in front of like all of the olive oil and canola oil and everything and being like, why am I here? What am I trying to find? What, like, what is this, you know, what am I shopping for in this moment? And I couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah. And it took me like an over an hour to get a list of groceries of like just regular stuff. I buy all the time. And I was like, I am not well right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I just was really like, something's going on. Um, so I went home and my wife was home and, you know, I was like, I, you know, and I took my blood pressure then and it was like 145, something like that. And I said, I was like, I think we need to go because this is over what um, my doctor said I should. I was like, let's just go get checked out before the weekend. That yeah. was, that was the thing. Let's just go. It was a holiday weekend. It's Friday now. Let's go get checked let's out go. before the weekend. And I'm really grateful that honestly, this happened over spring break because I at that time was such a workaholic that I really don't know if I would have taken care of myself and gotten checked out if it had been like a school day. And I was trying to wanted to take the day off or leave early and then trying to figure out because, you know, teachers like it's the sub plans, it's finding coverage, it's all all the things that you're like, I just don't want to even do it. So I don't even want to take off. Right. I know. So I was and I know, you know, and I I I think I'm like, I, I think about what my personality was before this experience. And I think I would have tried to push through if I did yeah. been a work day. You would, have. So, you would have. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to the hospital and um, it was funny. I was sitting on the couch waiting for my wife to be ready. And this is a funny story. She was standing at the kitchen counter, looking at her phone and she was eating a sandwich. Sorry. I'm telling this story, Cynthia, but um <laughs> I said to her, I was like, you know what? I expected that if I said I needed to go to the hospital, I expected a little more hustle out of you. Yes. Story that we tell now. (laughs) She was so annoyed with me, but hey, I got the last laugh on that one. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. So she took me in and they took my blood pressure at the hospital and it had gotten up to like 180 um, for my upper number. So um, I was at very high risk of having a seizure at that point um, because, and my platelets were very low and my liver enzymes were very high. Um, 
And so that's how I got diagnosed with HELP syndrome because the HELP, it's an acronym. So the H stands for hemolysis, which is death of red blood cells. So that was starting to happen in my body. My liver enzymes were elevating um, and I had very low platelets. So um, they admitted me on that Friday and um, they were talking to me about being, I was put on magnesium, which is a, uh, uh, helps uh, your body avoid going into a seizure um, on Friday. Magnesium. Can I just like pause for a second? Because magnesium sulfate, I went into preterm labor and they gave that to me. And they said it's usually for moms who have preeclampsia. When I say those first 20 minutes of getting that mag, I don't know if you had the experience, but I literally felt like I was hallucinating and they warned me that it would happen. I was shaking. I felt like I was going to throw up. Like I could not, I didn't feel like I was on my own body. It was very, very weird. Yeah. My experience of the whole weekend was just, it, I think the whole thing was an out-of-body experience. And yeah. I don't know if it was because of that was how my brain was coping with what was going on, or if it was, you know, the meds or a combination or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just look back and it's just very, it's a very weird time to think about. Yeah. Um, so my OB, who I, I really love my OB, she came in on Saturday morning, she was on call. And I remember saying to her, like, hey, I came in. And she was like, yeah, I see that. I know. <laughs> um, I was like, I, and uh, so I was talking to her and I said something like, you know, they were telling me about, you know, going home Sunday or Monday. And she was like, no one should have told you that you're not going anywhere. Um, and that was the moment where it really sunk in for me, like, oh, this, this is, is getting real. Yeah, this is really happening. Um, and and I that's why I like her so much is because she's very blunt. Um, and I think that the people the night before maybe were trying to have me not get, you know, to freak out or or stay optimistic or whatever. But she was just like, no, no one should have told you you were going home. Um, you're not going home. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> so they actually I went in on Friday. They didn't I didn't have my C-section until Sunday. So. Mm -hmm. Um, that was because I was only 32 weeks and they wanted, if possible, they wanted to give me as many steroids as possible for um, my daughter's lungs development. Um, so I had those on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Because um, that's has to be 24 hours apart, right? Yeah, they have to yeah. be 24 hours apart. So the whole time they were, you know, saying like, oh, we're going to do this on um, probably Sunday afternoon, like at, literally almost to the minute after it had been 24 hours from my steroids on Saturday. Um, which was, you know, they wanted, they couldn't really wait any longer for my health, but they had to wait as long as possible for her health. So they just yeah. kind of had to pick a sweet spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that Saturday was bizarre, just sort of laying in bed, not eating. I remember thinking, I was like, I haven't eaten anything, but I'm not hungry. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, you're probably just kind of like in fight or flight, to be honest. Yeah. And like they had... Fight. Yeah. They had me on IV nutrition because again, they were really worried I was going to have a seizure. So they didn't want me eating or drinking anything. Um, and oddly enough, I watched the food network the whole time, but that's why that wasn't like torture for you though, Amy, <laughs> like watching no. like, like Gordon, Gordon Ramsay or something like that, or like whatever shows are on the food network too. Like, Oh, it, believe me, I don't understand it, but Guy Fieri is my like comfort background noise and it's on 24 <laughs> hours a day. So that's I, I, I get the comfort part of it. Cause MasterChef is my comfort show and it literally just plays in the background. It's looped every season playing. And it's just what keeps me like sane and yeah. hungry but sane 
Yeah, but I did. My OB did let me have apple juice on Saturday night. She's well, that was a little treat. Yeah, she's like, you can have some juice, but you have to drink it slowly, and you can't have any more. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I that day I actually still have a note on my phone. I was writing notes to myself about what um, I was writing down any bright sides or any silver linings I could think of. Um, because the one thing that I was really sad about was. Um, that I wasn't, I missed my baby shower. Um, mm. I had to have a baby shower. So I had really, really, really been looking forward to it because it was in the pandemic. Um, even my own mom had barely seen me pregnant because I was so good. I stayed home and I, um, I was going to get to see my work friends and I was going to get to see um, my family. And, and I had two baby showers scheduled in April and I was so excited so I was really mourning that I wasn't going to get to have that experience of being sort of the, the pregnant person getting celebrated having this milestone be celebrated for me so yeah it was experiencing like all the things and baby showers is part of the things yeah so I was making lists in my phones of uh, in my phone of things that was you know why this was okay and like things like you can have a mimosa at your baby shower now is on the list. And like, um, at first when they weren't sure about what day my C-section was going to be, um, that Saturday was, um, April 3rd. And I was like, if I have my C-section today, my kid's birthday will be four, three, two, one, (laughs) like, you know, just little (laughs) dumb stuff like that. But I was just like, I need to be positive though. Cause you needed it. Yeah. So I was, um, yeah, I have like a little note of little weird things I thought of and I was like, it's okay because of this. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I think, you know, that helped me get through it and cope with it. Um, as I was mourning, like losing the end of not having a healthy end of my pregnancy. Yeah. So yeah. So we um we did talk with about me not having having to go under general anesthesia for my C section because my platelets were really low. Um, but they did come up enough that I was able to have sort of a more normal um, C-section. Yeah. I was having contractions, but um, my daughter was also breech. And um, so Sunday morning, they did talk to me about, um, they were coming into ultrasounder and they were like, you know, saying, if she's turned around, do you want us to like induce labor and all this stuff? But at that point, I had already made my peace with the fact that I was having C-section. I was like, no, we're not doing like contractions and all that on top of this like just let's just call this situation what it is and like get it over with so yeah um and she was she hadn't moved she was breech anyway um still so it wasn't an option anyway but they had talked to me about that um and you know we met the NICU staff and I met you know I met the woman who was going to be Jackie's doctor and I met the woman who was going to do my c-section um and so we really just spent Sunday just preparing for um that which was the surgery was at about 2 p.m mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I just I just have to say that I think it's so nice that your medical team even gave you the option even though Jackie was breech but giving you the option to have a vaginal birth had she been head down and of course if your choice was to not do that you know regardless then that's fine but just the fact that they gave you the choice because there are a lot of medical providers that are like up nope straight to c-section even if baby was head down like they wouldn't have given you that opportunity so I feel like that speaks volumes about your medical team and you know the experience that 
you you may have wanted because some moms really not they mourn that not being able to deliver vaginally um so I think that that's great yeah and I I think if I'm remembering correctly part of my decision in that too was just thinking like I'm really weak right now and I don't want to like I don't think that laboring would go well because at that point it was like Sunday morning and I hadn't even had food since Friday morning and like I was just you know thinking like I don't I don't know if my body would handle that yeah yeah I I understand I understand so yeah so um the c-section itself I I knew what to expect because uh, a good friend of mine actually had had um a planned c-section because she had a breech baby as well and, you know, so she knew about that, that that was going to happen, you know, a week or two out because they were just, you know, like, if he doesn't flip, then this is, you know, we're going to have to have a C-section and this is, and they had it scheduled and everything. And um, she ended up, and she's just a really positive person, but she had a really, she had a really great C-section experience. Um, and so randomly, you know, sort of between my second and third trimester, I think she, she wrote me this huge memo note, like word vomit note of her whole C-section experience. Like this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And mm-hmm. I think getting that um, positive outlook and hearing that positive experience made me not feel so scared going in Yeah, because I had seen my main model of someone who had had a C-section was this person who was like, it was fine. It was okay. It was, you know, like I had a really great doctor who did this and like, you know, I was warned that I might feel this. And so I had the experience that I was closest to was not one that was scary or traumatizing. And so I think that that was really played a huge role too in my own outlook and on my birth experience, because I don't, I actually, you know, I didn't find my birth experience to be scary or traumatizing. Um, I, I don't feel, I'm not upset about it. It just like, it happened. I ended up having a baby shower. (laughs) That that was the thing that I had a mimosa at your baby shower. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was like, I, I wasn't upset about it. And I, a lot of that was, um, I think processing and, and all that had to happen. I definitely wasn't, um, feeling like bonded to Jackie right away. That was something that didn't happen right away. Um, I didn't even see her if you're following the timeline because I had yes. a C-section on Sunday. Yep, yep, yep. I didn't even meet her really in person until Monday night um, because I was kept in actually labor and delivery until Monday night until they, then they moved me over to like the postpartum unit Yeah. because I was still in mag for another, I had to be on it for another fall 24 risk. hours. You were fall risk as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah so my wife would FaceTime me from the NICU and so she was splitting her time um between the two of us because it was still pandemic enough that no one could come in to the hospital they they told me they would make an exception like if Cynthia had to leave for a couple hours someone else could come in but um that you know she didn't have to go anywhere so it was um it was just like her really um supporting both of us going back and forth and um I had a rule that she wasn't allowed to send Jackie's picture to anybody until I met her in person. And yeah, um, of course. Yeah. So like we FaceTimed with like my mom and like, so I had my phone and Cynthia had her phone on Jackie and my mom was on it. And, you know, we did that with different people in our lives, but I, you know, people would be like, 
send me a picture and it was like no <laughs> i i get it i get it i mean because like yeah i mean it's a very personal situation that happened but then it's like i don't want to just like just introduce my child to just everybody like let me get my i haven't i'm with her I haven't met her yet. So I haven't met no. her yet. So how are you going to meet her before I meet her? No. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was probably me being a little bit of like, just trying to control what I could also. Um, so that was, that was something that we did. Um, you know, but then I was up, they had me up and moving around, I guess, Monday afternoon, which was so weird also, because I was thinking, I was like, I haven't stood up since Friday. <laughs> Yeah. And now you're like, wait a minute, like, you almost how do I do this? <laughs> you almost forget. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, so my legs felt all weird because I had had the, um, those like boots on to like that move, like the, yeah. the compression, like the one, it like vibrates every few seconds. Yeah. I told the doctors, I said, listen, you got to take this off of me. They're like, well, you need it for, I said, I don't take it off. Like the vibrations were just killing me. Like, please t- remove it, remove it. Yeah. And I was so, um, I was so gross too because <laughs> I'm like I didn't expect to go to the hospital for like it's just like icky a week. And you I, feel icky like yeah and I was like I like oh gosh yeah but yeah. um so yeah and you know going into a couple of things I didn't I I had hired a doula okay um who she was going to be able to come into the hospital if I'd had a normal birth but then um that weekend she was hiking in Shenandoah so that was out the window, she but luckily, that, no. she didn't make it. Um, however, my, um, a friend of ours named Allie, who actually has her, had her own podcast called birth Queens. It's a great podcast. Um, she's not doing it anymore. Okay. Because, um, but it, they have a lot of episodes. It's Queens is spelled K W E E N S. Um, Allie Farrow is one of the, um, people who did that podcast and she did it with a midwife friend of hers and, so she was texting me a lot. Um, yeah. She was really supportive. And that was, you know, really helpful just to be able to talk to her about it. And I feel like we have the same sense of humor. So I was able to send her things that like might have looked a little dark to, you know, and someone who didn't know me as well. Yeah. Um, but that was really great to have her. And um, the other thing that I really was concerned about going in was making sure that everyone at the hospital knew that Cynthia was my wife because, um, if all of a sudden something happens and I'm like having a medical emergency and can't speak for myself um, at that point, we didn't have the same last name. So I was really worried that um, they wouldn't let her make medical decisions for me. Yeah. So um, that was something too, that I just really remember making sure happened um, early on going in, like pointing her out even to nurses be like, that's my wife. We're legally married, you know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 but you, but you kind of have to. You, you have to, because otherwise, sometimes people don't put two and two together. Like this is, this is my wife. But then yeah. they, just, they don't think about it, you know. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. And then you know, God forbid, there's a medical emergency, and then they're thinking that she can't make decisions when she can. So, mm-hmm. I, I and I, you know, if I was like unconscious or something, I could, you know, see them being like, we need to verify who this person is before we allow them to just make choices. Yeah. Um, Cause she could have been a friend I had bring me in, you know? Right. So, she, yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So that was something too, that was, I think more unique to our experience. Yeah. So how long, so a couple of questions, how long were you in the hospital? When were you discharged and how long was Jackie 
in the NICU? Yeah, so I went in on April 1st, which is a Friday, and was discharged the 7th. No, the 8th. Um, so I was in for seven full days, um, wow. Friday to Thursday. So, okay. yeah. Um, I think I could have gone home a little earlier, but I opted to stay as long as I could under, you know, insurance and all that because, you know, my daughter was there anyway. Yeah. So, um, and then Jackie was in the NICU until May 7th. So she came home the Friday before Mother's Day. That had been my hope. Um, her due date wasn't until May 27th, but, um, and they won't really tell you in the NICU to expect them home any sooner than their due date, just because you don't know, um, what could happen. But I had been kind of crossing my fingers that she would come home by Mother's Day. Cause I, and that was a sweet gift for you and Sin. Yeah, it was really, it was really nice. And so we brought her home that Friday um, before Mother's Day weekend. So sweet. Well, Jackie is grown, grown now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that girl is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's, um, yeah, she's super healthy. There's, you know, no lingering issues um from her time in the NICU or anything I I was really fortunate that I was able to breastfeed which um, at 32 weeks was definitely not a guarantee um I had really awesome lactation consultants and um one of the things for Jackie to be discharged actually she needed to be able to bottle feed um and breastfeed and or or just bottle feed would have been fine but she needed supplementary calories um so she had to get four bottles a day on top of me breastfeeding um once I brought her home okay. for a couple of weeks um it was like a, it's like a high calorie formula that we were mixing into my breast milk um mm. just to help her gain weight okay okay um, yeah cause she was only three and a half pounds when she was born um and when they sent her home she was like five pounds exactly mm-hmm. so they wanted her to you know keep gaining um and eventually the pediatrician you know gave us approval to just switch to just regular breast milk but um so we did that for a little while which was actually nice because it helped um get me a break here and there so I was you know pumping and breastfeeding but I could sort of like pump and go to bed and you know Cynthia could give her a bottle um when she woke up the first time and stuff like that so um you know and the healing there was nothing really extraordinary about my healing process I you know it was interesting to learn as I was healing, you know, like as like, you know, the different layers heal, you're able to do more and feel different things. And like the fascia healing is like a, you know, the fascia layer is, um, was particularly interesting. I remember the first time that was really kind of painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thinking that there was something wrong, but I asked my, you know, my OB about it. And she's like, that was probably, it's probably your fascia, like knitting together. And that's, you know, the most painful and long-term layer to heal. And, um, but, you know, otherwise, I, it was almost, it's interesting when I think forward about having other children um, that I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to like have it. A, you know give birth and then take care of a baby right away after that's gonna be weird oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> right right away the days of the baby spending time in the nursery are are long gone well there are some hospitals that that will take your baby for a few hours um if you want to get like a little break but mm-hmm. for the most part baby is with you and and it's another layer of things you have to deal with because it's like 
I just had a baby and then I gotta, I gotta deal with that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I was getting up all night to pump and everything while Jackie was in the NICU, but, um, cause I was pumping on her feeding schedule. So like yep. every three hours, but yep. yeah, I, I wasn't actually having to like, there's no, there's no crying. There's no diapers in the middle of the night. It was just like, I would wake up and eat a snack and pump and go back to bed. And so that'll be a really different thing, um, in the future when we have more children. Right. Right. So I just, I love the fact that you have looked at your experience in a positive light because it is very easy to look at it the complete opposite, especially speaking from like my experience having three unplanned C-sections. It's very difficult to look at the positive pieces and it's something that I am actively doing in order to process and repair like and heal from my birth trauma. So like, I know that you mentioned your, you were talking about your friend who had given you like a layout of her C-section experience and showing you that it doesn't have to be negative. It can also be positive and it can be healing for some moms too. And then also you're writing like, you know, this might be happening, but it's okay because of A, B, C, D, E, F. Like I would have never thought to do that. And I think it's amazing that you did. And I think other moms that are listening will probably be like, wow, like I, I wasn't thinking about anything positive at the time. At the time I was just like, I can't believe that this happened. Um, but it makes you look at it differently that way. Like this is, this is happening, but it's like, there are other things that are okay about this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the one thing I've told friends who are having children after me is that, um, especially like my very type A friends, um, and I was that way. I don't know why I wasn't that way about my pregnancy, but I really, really just kind of let go the whole time. And I just, um, I tell them, you know, like, especially birth is you can have like things that you hope happen, but that's really as far as you want to let yourself go into the planning stages of your birth. Like be like, that would be cool if that worked out, but you don't know what's going to happen or be needed medically or in like, maybe you'll go into your birth and all your hopes and dreams will come true, but don't get, I, I tell my friends, don't get too committed or wedded to certain things happening a certain way, because it is, it's just something you can't control. Sometimes there are things you can't control. And if you're too focused on what you're, you want out of your birth experience, and if, if it's too narrow, you're just going to set yourself up to possibly be disappointed. Um, and, you know, I've had some younger cousins and things who have had children in the last year or so. And that's just the one thing I tell them and be like, you know, have a birth plan, but it's more of like a, a, a wish list. And it's not, yeah. you know, don't think this is not like a, an event. You're not planning a wedding where you can be like, this is going to happen. And then during this first of this mm -hmm. month, it's going to happen. And, you know, like mm -hmm. you, it's a wish list. It's not a birth plan. You can't plan it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that too. And also I like that you just said like setting yourself up for disappointment, not necessarily failure, but disappointment when things don't go the way that you had, had hoped. I, I, I think that speaks volumes too, because it's just like, you plan and you plan and you have, you know, your doula, you have your birth plan. Like you're like, it's going to go like this, 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 and this. And then when it doesn't, you know, for some moms, they're like, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, very type B moms, but like type A moms, like myself, I'm like, 
what? Like, what, what do you mean? I just did everything. Like sometimes you feel like if you've done everything, then something should happen because you've put so much into it. But the harsh reality about life is that sometimes there are things like, for example, your help syndrome, which is completely and utterly out of your control. There's no way that, you know, like if that happened in that moment in time, it's just like, how would you have like avoided that from happening? It's just something that happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I like that you're looking at it in that way. And then the advice that you're giving to other moms too. So thank you so, so much for sharing. I do have one more question though. Is there anything that you wish that somebody would have told you? Like, whether it's like before your C-section or even like after like post, you know, recovery, is there anything you wish that somebody would have told you? I think I wasn't fully prepared for how slow the recovery was going to need to be. And I, I did, I was very good about listening to my body and take, you know, taking things one step at a time. Um, you know, as I was, especially going to the NICU every day, I was able to really sort of track my progress. Cause you know, at first Cynthia would drop me off at the door. I'd go in, I'd take the elevator up to the NICU and walk in there um, while she went to go park the car. And then, you know, one day she, she joined me in my daughter's room and I was like, guess what? I walked up a flight of stairs to get here today. And, you know, it was little things like that. And eventually, you know, we'd go park the car together and walk in. And, um, but really like, because I'm an active person and, you know, I run and hike and all the, all these things, um, the feeling of it being really hard just to walk somewhere was very foreign to me and something that I wasn't totally prepared for, um, to be, to feel that feeling of, you know, my body not being just ready to do what I wanted it to do. Um, so that's something to just be prepared for. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, doctors say that the recovery, they say like eight weeks, it's really not necessarily eight weeks. It can take longer than that for some moms. It can take months for moms to feel like, okay, like I'm kind of back to where I used to be. And some moms never feel like they're back to where they used to be, especially for moms. Like you, 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 you're very active, but for other moms who are not so active too. And even for moms who are active, um, everyone just has a different experience. But the one thing I can say for certain is like, it's recovery takes time and you have to give yourself grace during the process and try not, try not to over do it mm-hmm. which is why you know it's 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 so important to have a village of people if you, you have it a support system that can help you through it because it does make the recovery a lot easier and and actually one more question that I had um emotionally how were you post c-section like I know you didn't have a traumatic c-section but you did have a traumatic situation that led to the c-section and then with Jackie being in the NICU how were you during that time? Mm-hmm. Um, there were a hundred percent days that I was sad and frustrated. Um, and like I said, and I think my, my talking to my mom about it, she was the one who really gave me the word mourning to um, describe how I had, what I was feeling, um, you know, and I, cause I think um, I, you know, I experienced some significant losses in my life, losing my dad and stuff. And so I've always seen myself as this person who just copes with things. And so 
uh, it was my mom who said like you're mourning the loss of your the end of your pregnancy and that's normal and I was like yeah I am um you know so there were definitely days like when we I came home to the, from the hospital without Jackie I was so sad and I just sat on the couch and I cried and um you know and it and then we just we moved through our days like you know we made a new routine as a family where you know I'd get up and pump and then we'd have breakfast and then we'd get in the car and go to the hospital and we it we were on a very strange like we showed up almost the same time every day and left at pretty much the same time every day but that's kind of what my family needed to like cope with what was going on is to we weren't we were not 24 hour a day NICU people um we we did go home um and I think that that was good for me and for my wife to just sort of get away and you know we'd go home and just like watch the tv and hang out and have dinner and um but yeah there were definitely times where I was I felt that something had been taken away from me but um you know looking at what I have now I have you know a healthy kid and I'm healthy and so that was a month and a half of our lives that is it's over it's past and and the only way it would linger is if I allowed it to linger in my brain because there are no lasting effects um, otherwise. So, you know, processed it and moved on. Well, I, I'm here for it. Thank you so much, Amy. And I just, like, like I said, I, I look at Jackie on Instagram and I'm just like, she's so cute. And I remember when she was born in the NICU and she was just so tiny and seeing how she's thrived now, like, you and Sin are doing an amazing job. So just thank you so much for, for sharing that bit of your life with us. And one thing, if moms want to find you on Instagram to ask more about your experience with your C-section and even like with help syndrome, what is your Instagram handle? Yeah, um, it's A-M-S-E-Y-B-E-T-H. It's Amesy Beth, because that's what my mom called me <laughs> <laughs> all right so you all you guys know where to find amy if you want more info on her birth experience but in the meantime like i said thank you so much for sharing and i know that mom's listening um this is probably one of the maybe not the only at this point but one of the few um stories that i have that aren't um necessarily negative that you know they were you know could be a negative situation that led to it but the experience of a c-section was not traumatic in the way that many people view it so thank you thank you Mm -hmm. thank you for having me (laughs) no thank you for joining me i appreciate you Ah, so we are at the end of the road for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to be a guest on the C-Spot, you can follow me at the C-Spot podcast. And there is a link in my bio. But in the meantime, this is Daisy from the C-Spot. Until next time. And as always, I want you to remember that your birth does not define who you are. As you know, you are strong, you're beautiful, and you are beyond magical. Bye.